I think if I were to have a one-on-one conversation with God, you know, and I just got to ask him a few questions, um, what's up with mosquitoes? <laughs> I mean, like, seriously. Seriously. No purpose. No pur- No. No, I wouldn't ask that. Uh, also, same question, but different. Instead of mosquitoes, what, Tom Brady? What? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> purpose. What's the purpose there? Humility, right? I think I would ask him, and maybe you can identify with one of these, I would probably ask him, when is life going to get back to normal, right? When's COVID going to end? At different times of my life, I might have asked, why am I experiencing this? And that could be maybe suffering, maybe that could be a difficult circumstance, or maybe it wasn't even me, like, why is this person I care about, why are they experiencing this? Or, Or how about this one, why did you allow this bad thing to happen in my life? See, tonight we are, we're about halfway through the book of Malachi. In my Bible, the next page is the New Testament. So we're, we're kind of nearing the end of the Old Testament, the end of Malachi. We're looking forward to what, what's going to happen in the New Testament. And we're in this book, this short little four-chapter book called Malachi, where the people uh, in Malachi's day are questioning God a lot. They have some issues with God. They have some some accusations against God. They've accused him of not loving them, of not caring for them, not providing for them. Of They've even said, like, God, is our sacrifices to you? Are they not enough? Are, are we not good enough for you? They have some issues with God. They are frustrated at God. Now, a little bit of background. I know you guys have probably heard this before, but this is kind of what's going on. The people of God, they have been in exile. They were uh, in Babylonian captivity. They have since returned from then, from, from that captivity. They are now living in their home again. The, uh, some other people at this time, Ezra and Nehemiah, if you have a chance to go read those books of the Bible, I would encourage you to do that because that's going to give you a fuller picture of what's happening at this season in the, in the history of God's people. And so they've returned home. The walls have been rebuilt. The temple has been reconstructed. Things should be back to normal, but they're not. Things should be good, but they are not. The people have returned home, but they have not returned to God. They have not returned their hearts to God. You could say it like this. You can take the people out of exile, but you can't take the exile out of the people, right? The people are still, even though they're at home, they're living where God has promised them to live, they are still living exile-minded. They're far from God. They want God to do things for them, but they don't actually want God himself. And so they're frustrated. God, God seems to be either absent, or if he's there, he is not doing anything to help them out. Yes, they are back home, but they don't have any prosperity. They don't have any prominence. They don't have any wealth. You know, God's presence used to be strong among his people. He used to actually dwell with them, right? There was a pillar of of fire uh, by night. There was a pillar of cloud by day. He used to actually dwell within the tabernacle, and he would move with his people. But that presence has been long forgotten. And they're wondering, God, what's going on? You're absent from our life, or at least it seems to be. And, And not only that, they are living at home, and yet they are still under the power of a foreign country. There is, get this, social unrest, political issues, and economic hardship 
Sound familiar? <laughs> right? The people are frustrated. And so they question God. They, they bring accusations against God. And this is actually a good lesson for us. Like This is kind of a lesson within the lesson. This is not what the passage is about. But this is a good news for you. If you have an issue with God, take it to God. Question Him about it. You have, an, you have an issue with him, you have a struggle with him, you have um, some beef with him, like, take it to him. Ask him. Say, God, what's up with this? What's going on? Go to him in prayer with it. Go to, go to the Bible with it. Find an answer with it. God can handle your issue with him. That's what the people do. That's what these people in, in the book of Malachi, that's what they do. They have an issue and they bring it to God. And tonight they're going to bring a new issue before him. And essentially, the question that they're going to ask is, God, where are you at? Where are you, God? Look at verse 17 of chapter 2. This is God speaking. He says, you have wearied the Lord with your words. He sounds like a parent, like, you are wearing me out. You say, how have we wearied him? By saying, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. The people, they think that those who do evil are actually what God likes. Or by asking, where is the God of justice? Apparently, they, the people are crying out, where are you, God? Where are you, God? Where is this God of justice who we have known before? Where are you? They are wondering where he's at. They are wondering why all the evil that's happening around them, why he's not doing anything to stop it. They're wondering why, you know, why did captivity and exile, why did that even happen? And now that it's done, why are you still not showing up in our life? Why are you still letting injustice go unchecked? It's almost like they're echoing what the psalmist says in Psalm 13. This is how the psalmist puts it. He says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? It's almost like the people are saying, how long is this going to last, God? Where are you? You're not showing up for us. At least you're not showing up in the ways that we want you to show up. You're not bringing justice. You're not bringing righteousness. You are letting evil run rampant. What's going on? And so God, he, like he does every single time when they have an issue, he speaks back to them. He responds, right? That's the good thing about our God. He, he can not only handle our issue, he's going to respond to your issue. They have an issue with God. He's going to say, okay, I hear your issue. Here's my response to you. Verses, uh, verse 1 of chapter 3. He says, Behold, I send my messenger. This is God talking. I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way for me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of that covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. God responds to their question. He says, hey, I'm going to send a messenger to you. In fact, I've already sent a messenger to you. He's Malachi, right? Malachi literally means messenger. He's among you right now. You're looking for God. Why don't you start listening to the messenger I've sent already? He's Malachi. But not only that, we have this privilege of knowing that in 400 years, right before Jesus gets on the scene, there's another messenger coming. His name is John the Baptist. And so God's saying, hey, there's a messenger among you now, Malachi, listen to him. There's a messenger coming in a few hundred years named John the Baptist. He's going to be coming, and the whole reason they come is to prepare the way for me. But not only that, God says, I myself will actually be among you. Not only am I going to send a messenger among you now, 
Not only am I going to send a messenger in the future, but I am actually going to come myself. This, of course, we know is Jesus Christ. God says, the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And this is not God saying, I'm going to come back in the form of a cloud. I'm going to come back in the form of a, of a pillar of fire. I'm going to come back as a prophet. God is saying, I'm going to come back as a person in the flesh. It's like the people are saying, God, where are you at? And he says, you just wait because I'm going to show up and I'm going to be among you in a way I never have been before. This, of course, we know is Jesus Christ, and he won't come to just be inside of a building. He will come to indwell the heart of everyone who follows after him. So the people, they they have this issue with God. Where are you? And God says, I'm coming. Look for it. There's messengers along the way that are going to point the way, but eventually I'm going to come. And then look at verses 2 through 4. 2 through 4. God says, But who can endure the day of this coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings and righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. I know there's a lot of kind of confusing language, especially at the end there, but here's what God is saying. Essentially, God's saying, not only am I coming, not only am I going to show up, but you're, you're asking me, where are you? Where are you at? What are you going to do about all this injustice? How are you going to make this right? How are you going to bring righteousness and justice and make things how they should be? God says, not only am I going to show up, but I'm going to do everything to make things right. And it's almost as if he's saying, be careful what you wish for, because you can't handle me. I don't know if you guys have seen the movie, um, oh my gosh, I'm totally blanking, but the, the, the movie that says, you can't handle the truth. What is that movie? Few Good Men. I was thinking as good as it gets, that's, that's a totally different movie, right? That's a totally different movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, the, A Few Good Men few good men, right? Where he says, like, I want the truth. And he says, you can't handle the truth. It's almost as if God is saying, you want me to show up? You can't handle me when I show up. You can't handle my holiness. You can't handle my justice. You can't handle my righteousness, right? He says, who can endure the day of the Lord? Who can stand when I appear? God is saying, if I really showed up right now in the fullness of who I am, and in all my majesty and glory and holiness, you couldn't handle it. It's almost as if God is saying, you want me to show up? You want me to bring justice, make things right? I will bring it, but I'm going to start with your life. Right? Because the people of God in Malachi's day, and I think the people like us today, I think a lot of times we're like, God, will you just show up and fix the problems in this world? And he says, yeah, I'll start with you. And that's a hard word, right? But that's what he's saying. 
If you want me to bring justice, if you want me to show up and make things right, if you want me to bring holiness and bring things back into perfection, I'm going to start with your life. I'm going to correct it, refine it, purify it. He says, I'm going to be like, like a silversmith. I'm going, to, I'm going to heat things up to such a degree and such an intensity that it's going to get rid of all the impurities and all the, all the dirt and all the stuff that shouldn't belong there. I'm going to make it pure and brilliant and beautiful. He says, I'm going, to, I'm going to be like a harsh soap, fuller's soap, something that, that cleanses and washes you clean, but it, it comes at a cost, right? Because it's going to take away all the things that shouldn't be in your life. All, all the, the sin that you hold on to that's maybe fun or enjoyable or, or maybe just like, it's not that big a deal, right? And God says, if you want me to show up and bring justice, I'm going to start with you, and it might not be what exactly you signed up for. But on the other side of it, if you allow me to refine you, if you allow me to cleanse you, if you allow me to, to bring out the holiness and justice that can be inside you, it's going to be beautiful. You will be useful and you will be made with a purpose for me. See, I think it's easy for us to feel like God isn't doing anything about the injustice in our world. I think it was for them. I think it is for us now. We, we can think, man, evil is winning. It's, it's everywhere. There's corruption. There's injustice. There's oppression. There, is, there are so many things wrong with this world. And God says, I will fix those. But I'm going to start with your own life, your own thoughts, your own actions. I, I want to bring justice to your world before I bring it to the world. And so there's this recognition of, okay, God, I'm going to surrender to that. I'm going to allow you to, like a silversmith, purifying silver, like a, like a I don't know what they call a soap, soap smith. <laughs> I don't know what they call it, but someone that cleanses using soap. I'm, gonna, I'm going to allow you to cleanse me and make me new. So the people, they, they have this question, they have this accusation against God. They say, where are you? Where is this God of justice? And God, he's going to answer their question. And he says, I'm going to start with you. I will show up. I might not be how you want it. I might not be in the timing you want it, but I will show up. And I am going to bring things right, but I'm going to start with your life. So a question for you guys to answer with uh, maybe one person next to you. Where's a place that you think God needs to refine you? Or maybe, where have you seen God refine you? Maybe you, you used to be this kind of a person, but, but thankfully God has put you in the fires, so to speak, and he has heated out some of that sin or some of that impurity or some of that, that rough edges, and now you're a, a more refined, more pure, more holy, more God-like person because of it. Where has God refined you? Or if you want to be really honest, where do you need to be refined? And maybe that's a question you're like, ah, I'm pretty good. But the people that know you, maybe you need to ask them. Say, hey, where do I need to be refined? You see my life. You see how I talk. You see how I act. You see how I interact on social media. Where do I need to be refined? That is a very honest and difficult question to ask the people next to you. But it is the question that you must answer if you want God to show up and bring justice because it's got to start with your life. It's got to start with you. God will make things all right in the world eventually, but he's got to start with you. So the people of God in, in Malachi, they are, they're questioning him. 
accusing him, saying, where, where are you, God? Where is this God of justice? And God, he answers, he says, I am coming. I'm coming in person, right? I'm not coming as a prophet. I'm not coming as a fire or a cloud. I am coming in the flesh. And the beautiful thing that we have is, as, you know, on the other side of this story is that we know that 400 years later, Jesus comes on the scene. We know that he comes to be this God in the flesh. And the crazy thing is, is he doesn't come as a king, right? He doesn't come as a king full of power and authority and might. He just, you know, goes around from city to city and claims his authority and makes demands. He doesn't come like that. He doesn't come as a warrior, you know, slaying all those sinners out there. He doesn't come to, like, wage war on the systems of the world. He actually comes as a baby. He comes as a baby, humble. He grows in wisdom and stature, the book of Luke tells us. He grows in favor with God and man. As he grows up, he's tempted in every way. At least that's what the book of Hebrews tells us. He's tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet he is without sin. He doesn't need to be refined. He is perfect, sinless. He's God in the flesh. And as an adult, he begins to preach and teach and heal, cast out demons. If you were to, you know... Fast forward in your Bibles, literally the next page, you're going to get Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these biographies of his life, how he lived, how he taught, what he spoke about, what he, what he did, and it all culminates in this amazing picture of him on the cross. And I'm sure you guys have heard about that before. I mean, we have Easter coming up. You may have heard Jesus dying on the cross for your sins. But the beautiful thing about what happens on the cross is that the one who is just, God himself, Jesus himself, God in the flesh, the one who is perfectly just, perfectly righteous, perfectly holy, he willingly sacrifices himself on the cross and he takes your place. For those of us who are unjust, for those of us who are still a work in progress. In fact, Romans actually says... When Jesus is on the cross, he is both the just and the justifier of all sinners. He took your imperfection and he put it to death on the cross. And in in exchange, he gave us his perfection. He gave us his holiness. He gave us his justice. So it's like the people in Malachi are saying, God, where are you? Where is your justice? And he says, just wait and look to the cross. Look to the cross. That's where the justice of God was poured out. And you and I could be saved. If you ever wonder, is God for me? Is God, is God, is is he going to put up with me anymore? Am I just too far gone? Am I, am I not getting this right? Like, just look to the cross where he willingly sacrificed himself so he could be justified. Malachi's passage ends kind of in a a downturn, unfortunately. Look at verse 5. It says, Then I will draw near, this is God speaking, I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, those who oppress the hired worker and his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the sojourner and do not fear me, says the Lord. It's this reminder that 
God's justice is not always a good news for everybody. Unfortunately, there are some who are going to experience his judgment, experience his wrath, and it's not going to be a happy day for them because they didn't surrender to Jesus. They didn't, they didn't say, okay, I can't do this on my own. I, 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 need to, I need to trust that what Jesus did for me is, what, is what's going to save me. God will make all things right in the end. And the only ones who have a chance of surviving it are those who are willing to admit, I can't do it on my own. I need Jesus to do it. I need him to be the one who is not only just, but who is also the justifier. I need to be, it only is the ones who fear the Lord, like it says at the end of that verse. Those who revere God, acknowledge his authority over their life. Those who know they still are in the process of refinement. And for those, Jesus took your judgment and he put it to death and he gives you new life and he refines you along the way. But the warning that Malachi gives is not everyone is going to experience that, especially if they're too proud to admit it. So the people of Malachi say, God, where are you? Where is your justice? What's going on? When are you coming? And Jesus thankfully comes to the rescue. He comes, he lives perfectly, he dies sacrificially, and when you surrender to him, you too will be justified, not on your own accord, but because of him. And we get to be a work in progress along the way. Guys, let's pray together, and then we're going to sing one more song, I think, to, to glorify God and, and to thank him for this good news that he has brought to us. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you that you are not only just and good, that you are holy and set apart and righteous. God, thank you for being all those things because we, we are not those things and we need someone to look to who is. But God, not only that, you are the justifier. You are the one who laid down his life on our behalf, took our place, exchanged your perfection for our imperfection. And, and in doing so, God, you gave us a way back to you. You gave us a way to not only try harder in this life, but to actually be refined in the fire. So God, I pray for those who are feeling like they're in a fire tonight, whether it be one that's self-inflicted or one that is just, they're not sure why, quite what you're up to. God, would you give them a perspective that you are up to something in and through them. And on the other side of the fire, on the other side of the cleansing soap, God, they are going to look more and more like you. God, give them endurance, give them courage, give them patience in the midst of it. And God, give them a greater vision for their life, that it is more than this temporary trial. Give them a greater vision to see that it is, it is actually going to bring about something that would not otherwise be there if they had not been put through it. God, thanks for using a passage like Malachi, a book like Malachi, written so long ago to even speak to us today. I pray that it would be helpful for us as we strive to follow after you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.